Hi, it's Karen from See Me, Hear Me, Love Me, the podcast for parents of young children. And we want to share your stories and all those crazy, contradictory feelings that come with being a parent. We believe in you. You got this, even on the craziest of days. And you are most definitely not alone. Hey, listeners. The host of this podcast wants you to celebrate the messiness of life with kids. That means we don't need an expert to explain our kids to us. We just need to sit back so we can truly see, hear, and love our kids. My family has been lucky enough to attend B'nai Torah, where Karen's enthusiasm and joy for all aspects of parenting has been a breath of fresh air and always gives us hope that we can do it. Karen Deerwester believes that when we see, hear, and love the messy moments of life with kids, we're able to give our children everything they need. Karen has been a teacher, author, and a leader in early childhood education for decades. And there is nothing, nothing that doesn't make sense if we take time to connect with each child exactly where they are and right where we are with all of our messiness too. Here's today's podcast. Today's podcast is Mom Wisdom, Looking Back in Time. I'm very excited to have a See Me, Hear Me, Love Me mom reunion today with three of my very favorite moms who've been podcast regulars since we started the podcast three years ago. They now have school-aged children, and even better, they've been friends sharing the get-real stuff of being moms. So what they know and what they have to share is powerful and fun. Be sure to listen to the very end. I can't wait, uh, because these moms love a big finish. Hope you remembered. <laughs> they now have 2020 hindsight looking back at themselves as new moms and the extra insight of having shared those experiences with one another. I'm excited to be at the square table today with Marnie Wetzler, Shirley Stern, and Rachel Sobel. Marnie wrote these ideas when we talked about our topic for today. If I knew then what I know now, how much I've changed as a mom now that he's almost seven, and what I wish I had enjoyed more, done differently, and not cared about so much. I'm going to let Marnie get us started with what she's been thinking and feeling about those early years, and all that's changed in her knowing what she knows now. Marnie, welcome, welcome. Thank you for having me. I love being here. I love your being back. Um, when I when you were when you were speaking, I was laughing to myself because it said like what you what you would do differently. Probably everything. I would do everything differently. I, don't it. I would have. I was so uptight. No comments because they're gonna say I'm still uptight. But I was so everything had to be a certain way, and if it wasn't, I couldn't really bounce back from that. How could you have possibly <laughs> re reframed that? How could you have flipped that script? I wish, and I, would, he, I will never tell him because he won't listen to this, I would have listened to my husband more, uh, who already had three. You just said that, and it's going to be on. I know. That that's was on a permanent record. I know. Yeah, but he won't hear really it, so dangerous. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. <laughs> okay, that's one thing. But, but there's, I mean, so what's involved with that trust and letting go? Because I Everything. Yeah. But I felt like it has to be this way. He has to go to bed at this time. Mm-hmm. He has to eat at this time. If he doesn't, I don't know what's going to happen. And I wasn't willing to step out of my comfort zone at all. So what, Not did, you even learn? what did you learn looking back? I, you- I learned that if I had been less strict and less rigid and less controlling, everything would have been fine. He would have been fine. 
everything. And you would have enjoyed it more. I would have enjoyed it more. I but remember they told rushing you that. home. I they mean, did. these women at this table yes, told But I could, I wasn't able to. Now I can look back and like, I can see, like, wow, I wish I had, you know, gone to that play date instead of been like, oh, I can't go. He has to nap. He can't miss his nap. Like, I really, truly felt like he can't miss an app. And I think if I had had a second one, I would have been forced out of my comfort zone. Well, I would have had okay, to Okay, so I'm going gonna, gonna to go right. right to the other two mm-hmm. moms at the table because I don't know that first-time moms can do it differently the first time. I agree. And I certainly don't know the controlling moms <laughs> yeah. who, who feel the anxiety and the fear uh-huh. so deeply. It was that, real. That it's like, all this is on my shoulders. Right. It is real. <laughs> And, and we just posted a video on Facebook about working moms, and, and it was this idea that, if every, that they just wish they felt like they were enough. And, and mm-hmm. the end of the video was everybody saying, you are such a good mom, you're such a good mom, you're such a good mom. And everybody's crying watching right. the video because when you're in that zone, you can, you don't believe it no matter how many people have told you. Sure. And go ahead. So, so I agree. I as Varney was talking, I'm thinking to myself, I was a first-time mom once. Shirley was a first-time mom once. When you're a first-time mom, you cannot tell a first-time mom to do anything different. They'll ask for advice and take insight, but at the end of the day, they're going to do what they want to do because it's their journey, right? And they yes. have to carve it out. It's the same way a first-time bride. I've been a bride more than once, so I know. Like, <laughs> so have I. It's, it's, <laughs> so, But it's it's when you have that first milestone, whether it's parenthood, marriage, whatever it is. First times you wanna, are hard. Yes, and you're not willing to bend. You're going to do... There are certain things you're going to be rigid about, and everyone has their own priorities. And I don't think you can convince someone. I mean, Marnie and I had many conversations, and I did things very differently, and it wasn't better because I had a horrible sleeper. Marnie had a great sleeper, and she did things differently. But we had very different points of view. But there was nothing I could have said, I think, that would have changed her journey and vice versa. Whereas now, with my second, I'm much more willing to listen to things that she tells me, whereas I would have been like, get, get mind your own business. Like, stop telling me what to do. I think that you just... You're willing to kind of like bend a little bit more. But when my you... question to both you and to Shirley is going to be, but even when you have second children, does that change when you're faced with those first times? Does that change how you parent your first child? Because I always say, once you know that each child is their own person, each child is a collaborator in this with you, it's, it's not all on your shoulders. There are things you have no control over, and you know that when you have a second child. Yeah. Right. But I still think that the anxiety and pressure and and not enoughness is so intense with your first children mm-hmm. that I'm not sure you parent your first children the way you parent your second children. Absolutely not. I you don't. don't. I totally agree with that. I, I yep. think every, you probably agree. Like, your second kid, I think, gets away with a lot more, right? Totally. Like, you're much more lax. Not that they don't have rules, but, like, you know, like Marnie's saying, whether they miss a nap, whether they don't go to a play date, whether they eat goldfish for dinner, they're going to go to kindergarten. They're going to be fine. You, There's not going to be any... You raise them with a resilience yeah. because you are flexible. Yeah. I get, right? like, goosebumps. <laughs> Look it. I have genuine goosebumps you, on my arm. Something's wrong with I me. I also think, though, that I think your first kid <laughs> is your guinea pig. Yes. You know, so I'm like, oh, you know, like, and we used to, we had a joke in my house that Jacob was my purse because Jacob came <laughs> everywhere with me. He did not nap at home. 
He fell asleep in our bed, and then we transferred him at 10 o'clock at night. Like, he was just glued to me. I took him to the mall for hours and hours. He would nap in the stroller. He would nap in the car for 20 minutes. He would nap here. He would nap there. So if anything, I feel like I got a little bit more rigid with Sid because I had the benefit of my guinea pig of being on the go with him, and he had bad sleep habits and all of this stuff. And I'm like, well, let me try and do it the other way. And I did put Sydney down for a nap, but I did not have a play date or whatever, but she did have nap time at 1 o'clock. It was like 1 to 3 or whatever it was every day but if someone wanted to go for lunch or have a play date I would allow myself to be you know a little flexible okay so I have a question that I'm going to piggyback on that because what that says to me isn't just um, that with your second child you learn to be more flexible adaptable um, and all of those with your second child you also learn more confidence mm-hmm. yeah you are you are more comfortable so Marnie might have always had rules and structure but they came out of a place of tight grip where you, when you started structure and other things for Sid, it came out of a, I can respect what I know. I'm, I, I'm allowed to ask. You had that knowledge. Yeah. So where, looking back, now that you've been mothers for more than early childhood, where does mom confidence come from? Where do you find your confidence? I think the mom confidence partially comes from your friends Mm -hmm. and your mom friends. Like, Mm -hmm. Marnie and I will bounce stuff off of each other all the time. She's like, tell me if I'm crazy, but blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, one, yes, you're totally insane. And two, (laughs) I totally agree with you. So it's like, yes, she's nuts and neurotic and whatever, but I'm the same way. I feel exactly the same way. She gets to say at a level what others feel in smaller doses. I mean, and some of the things are frightening. Um, (laughs) I I am frightening. But I also want to say that I always knew that he was the only child I was going to carry, you know, because mm-hmm. I had my three older, my husband's older, I'm older. I wasn't going to have another one. So I kind of feel like, and I'm not trying to validate my crazy because I own it, I feel like I knew this is my one shot. This is my one opportunity. I'm like Eminem. You right. are. <laughs> Maybe that's the song we go right, out with. That I, can't, I don't have another shot. I'm not going to have another baby. This is the one. I've got to get it perfect. I've got to do it right. And about a few weeks ago when I came up, to, when I said I want to do a podcast with you, I was outside with my husband, and I said to him, you know what? I'm thinking that he doesn't need to go to bed at 7 o'clock anymore on the dot. And my husband looked at me, and he was like, and started clapping. And he's like, thank God. But I was, up until a few weeks ago, that was like 7 o'clock, 7 o'clock, 7 o'clock. And I would put him to bed, and he's not a baby anymore. And he's up for hours in his bed, and I'm like, it's not right. He can go to bed later. And he's like, welcome to, like, reality Mm -hmm. of him growing up, and I'm so proud of you. And, And it was, like, kind of a funny moment, but I was like... I need to, like, be less And how lucky you are strict. when you have friends and partners who allow you to come to it in your own time. Yes. Because For that's sure. not always easy when we're in partnerships. Agree. Yeah. But, um, but the other, th- and, and here's the question, because it's a flip side of confidence. There's a, it's that I've got to get it right. And with your firstborn comes this sense that, this is about me. This is about who I am. This is a mirror. And so I, we always say in the baby class, you know, when you have a newborn, you have this mirror to yourself. And it's like, oh, my gosh, I've never known that I could be this loving, this magical, this everything. But then they become toddlers. And then you have this other mirror that comes up and goes, oh, I am not perfect. I lose my patience. I have all these buttons that, that that a child can push that no other adult can push, that somebody can send me way over the edge, and then comes that. So you've got this perfection thing that so much is riding. I mean, 
does it feel like, so you've got this confidence that says, I can do things my way. I can do things that honor who I am, what our needs are as a family. I don't have to do this by anybody else's rules, by anybody else's judgment. But there's, but where does that get it right? How much pressure is there to, uh, this is a life. There's always pressure, always. But I think to Shirley's point with the friends you surround yourself with, I think that's why it's so important when you're, picking your tribe and you are picking your tribe just because you end up in class with people doesn't mean you're going to be lifelong friends you are very every time you meet someone who has kids your age you are mentally deciding is this someone that I can like this is this one of my people and I think it's so important to be picky with your people that you let into that inner circle because you don't all have to agree you don't all have to have the same perspective but you have to be able to be viable sounding boards where you can tell the person if they're crazy in a way that it's not going to offend them but also validate them and also give them advice and also tell them what they're doing is awesome like you have to wrap all that into a package and that's how you know you have people who have your best interests and aren't going to tell you what you want to hear no one's more brutally honest with than Marnie is and Shirley is too like I feel like we tell each other the truth and sometimes the truth is pretty and sometimes it's not but I think in motherhood sometimes it's pretty and sometimes it's not pretty no it it's the it is celebrating the messiness Mm -hmm. of ourselves and our children mm-hmm. and trying to all that trial and error mm-hmm. because that's that's the thing when I was writing the intro for you guys it's one thing to look back um, with what I know now and that's golden but I think that the difference with the three of you at this table is that you've shared the journey and that and that you've grown together um, all right so I'm good let's how have, I mean, what, what I imagined is when Marnie was going to open this, um, I need <laughs> you both to comment on Mar- Marnie's journey. Um, and I need you kind of all to comment on, what an, on one another's journeys, on, on how you've grown, changed, or not gr- changed, but still grown, but still being who you are. I'll start. That balance of who you are and who you've become. Okay. So the th- Marnie and I obviously know each other for decades um, through many friendships, relationships, marriages, hairstyles. hairstyles, boob size, everything. So Marnie, you know, f- for a long time, when Marnie and I used to have very honest, honest conversations, she wasn't sure she wanted to have children at a different time in her life. She was very honest about it. She said, I don't know. I don't know that I want to have kids. And I remember thinking, I know, I mean, there's no way Marnie's not going to, I mean, she doesn't I'm respect her decision, but there's no way Marnie's not going to have a baby. Like, I couldn't even imagine because she's so nurturing and so loving and so fun. And when she got pregnant with Danny, that she did. She was intense, but Marnie's an intense person at times. And so it wasn't out of character. And she did do all the things she's saying. She was very rigid with bedtime. She was very rigid with eating. She was very, everything was very rigid. Not in a mean way, just very, very... Controlling. Controlled. And... <laughs> You know, when you see it as an outsider, it wasn't shocking to me because that's who she is in a lot of ways when she has a love for something or a passion for something. But I noticed that when people started to give her insight into maybe you shouldn't be, she was willing to listen, but in a very honest way of saying, listen, I'm going to hear what you're saying, but I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And I appreciate what you're saying, but it's not going to change how I am now looking at it, she's much more receptive to saying, like she said to her husband the other day, he doesn't have to go to bed till eight. She's bending in ways that I think she thought she'd probably never bend, but she sees that it's not damaging anything. It's right. not changing I anything. I see that it's okay. And, yeah. Because, I mean, I think this is the beauty of a parent journey 
And that is because you'll do anything for Danny. Anything. Mm-hmm. And so for our children, we will grow out of our comfort mm-hmm. zones. Right. Um, so why don't you talk about Shirley a little bit? So, <laughs> so obviously I haven't known Shirley as long as I've known Marnie. But the thing, no, but the thing I love about Shirley's motherhood style is that, you know, there are some people who... They're one person the way they are with their friends, and they're a different person as a parent. Like, they almost have these split personas. Shirley is who she is. But you just said, like, for Marnie, I mean, that's the other thing is she is, she, you, you, when you see a stranger in a class and you mm-hmm. think, well, wacko person, mm-hmm. uh, wacko parent, mm-hmm. and then you realize, no, that makes sense. Yeah. Because we know who they've always been. Yes. Right. And that style made sense in business and in life. Yes. And in, no, so I, what I want to, celebrate here is you guys hold one another's stories in the best possible way. So mm-hmm. for both, I mean, I think that's the honesty of mm-hmm. these relationships is that you are, it's a different version in your parenting, but it is still true to who you are. But so, that's, Mar- so Shirley but that's, hasn't changed. Right, but that's what attracts me to Shirley as a friend is because she is very honest as a friend, very honest as a parent. I think her and I share, I, I was never that mother who used with my kids like fake words to describe anatomy, all those things. And Shirley's the same way. Like I think we connect on a level where we're very real with our children. It's it's very hard, I think, to find that in parents these days because they're they're so, you're shielding your kids from so much. I, I shield my kids enough, but like, I don't know. I'm, I feel like we're both very blunt how, how and real. How many years have we known each other? Like four years. Four, maybe? yeah. Four. So yeah. you weren't there for the baby stage. No, no. no. When I, no, Shirley was a mother of two, right. you know, kids when I met her, and I met her through Marnie and Sid and Danny were the same age. So it's it's that's another thing. You meet mothers at different stages of their journey. Marnie, Shirley, and I've never been in class together. We've never had our, our kids are not the same age, so it's a different kind of friendship. But I still use her as a resource when I have a question about kids. We'll have very honest conversations about motherhood things and the same way I get the honesty from Marnie I get that same honesty from Shirley no one's pulling punches like that and that's why I think it works and why I was able to like very comfortably have her as part of my inner circle because I wasn't there were no false pretenses there wasn't like oh god she's gonna think I'm weird for doing this it was just an immediate comfort because we share a lot of the same ideals I think I love it okay Shirley you get to do the same for your friends (laughs) it's it's the and just because I love to repeat questions to you in many variations um, how have you watched their journey? Um, well, I've known Marnie since Danny was what, 18 like months 18 old, months old yeah. I think. Um, and Marnie and I both had ideas of each other when we first met each other. Some of us thought worse of others than, than other people did. <laughs> Marnie, didn't, Marnie didn't think I was her people when she first met me, and I she did. had this to be true. convinced. And meanwhile, here this we are. True. Um but I think that Marnie um, definitely has let go a little more and has become much more self-aware as the years have gone on of things that she needs to do better with Danny, differently with Danny, um, just, you know, be- bending more, just, you know, making, you know, more of an effort to go outside of her comfort zone and do things for the benefit of Danny. And I think she's happy with the results, so I think that's opening her up more and more to say, okay, he doesn't have to go to bed at 7, okay? He doesn't have to get in the shower at 4 o'clock in the afternoon before the sun goes down. You know, she's just become God, a I lot... I miss those days. I don't just sing 10 <laughs> bedtime, story, bedtime songs to him before he's ready to lay down yeah. in his crib and do the animal yeah. game. Yeah, The 30-minute oh, bedtime crib. routine, yeah. it, it's all gone, and that's it, it's better. It needs to be that way. And I think Marnie and I have also had... Um, 
very honest conversations about how I I definitely coddled Jacob when he was a baby. You know, he was my first. He's my baby boy. You know. So you understood her a, a thousand percent. As much as I think that Marnie is a lunatic, <laughs> I was love you, love you, Brooke. Um, I was a similar lunatic with Jacob, and I think that's why I do things a little bit child. different with yeah. Sid. But I also know like how Jacob's grown up and how he's so close to me and he's such a mama's boy and he still wants to hug me and snuggle me and like all these things that like I don't want to tell Marnie too much to like let him grow up because like I still think that I want her to have the experience that I have with Jacob where like he's 11 still wants to be with me still wants to hug me in school and hold my hand like and that goes away so you and you don't want to trade that no so when you look back at your own journey if I knew then what I know now let and I will say this in in just Blunt ways, like that I overcoddled and I mean the way you're describing yourself, you wouldn't really trade what you have now to have it to have him to parent him like you would have parented a second child. No. Never in a hundred million years. No. So, I have no regrets. And and I'm listening and I'm watching Marnie listen to you and you're like and she's like, oh, I love that. Oh, I love that. Oh, I love that. I forgot I love that. So I want to put out there for this, for everybody out there listening is you're looking back saying, if I knew then, but there's also this thing. It's, and, and so maybe it's the BS of writing that letter to your 20-year-old self. Mm-hmm. Oh, I want to give you the pep talk. Right. I want you to, to know your, 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 that you could do this and you could mm-hmm. do this. The same way as writing a letter to, your, to yourself as a first-time mom. I don't know that you would ever really change it because I know the that I could sweet have. spots that you still feel mm-hmm. for those for those moments. Right. You can't trade those no. for no. the distance of looking at yourself. So when we're when we're I think today's podcast may not be as much about the wisdom of I'm so much smarter. I mean, the wisdom of that is. I can do anything that's coming ahead of me because I know how much I've learned and grown and and that I know I am more prepared for any of those challenges that are coming high school or young adult or Mm -hmm. when they're, you know, you are prepared because that's what those developmental stages do for you. But no, 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 it's not smarter to go back and be a different mom back then because I don't, I want you to love, I think that the wisdom is, I will accept and love that person that I was in all of my crazy, in all of my rigidity, in all of my cluelessness. Um, you guys weren't clueless, but there, you know, because you were controlling and mm-hmm. managing it. But there were other people that, you know, they're like, ah, it'll just work out, and it does. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't. It's really okay, right? Uh, and what would you like to say? About, uh, Rachel, I agree. Rachel and I are very like-minded when it comes to our kids. Like, she'll be like, oh, Ava had a cheese stick for dinner. I'm like, oh, great, Sid had fries for dinner. <laughs> Win-win, you know? Like, yeah. it's, you know, yes, you want your kids to eat a vegetable and a protein and a starch, and that's all wonderful and rainbows, but, you know, that's not always the case. And I feel like Rachel and I have honest conversations about who our kids are, what they're doing, you know, like it's it's just not. And our kids are great Without and our judgment. kids are who they are, yeah. but there is literally no judgment. Like I can say anything to her and she'll be like, great, sounds sounds amazing. I'll be like, yeah, <laughs> Sydney's running on the street by herself. And she's like, perfect. That sounds like a great <laughs> night out. Now, um, I have a conception of you as having lots of people in your tribe. Um, do you feel that because you are so funny and honest and open that that those relationships are always at your fingertips? Um, 
mm-hmm. and that these guys are just the special inner circle of the tribe uh, because it how hard is how hard is how hard was it for you to find that trust and honesty um i th- i mean i obviously trust them both and i'm honest with them but i You're would meet somebody at Publix and be totally honest with them and have an honest conversation with them I don't have any shame in my game. It it is what it is. You know, I can't change it. There's no point in lying about it. There's no point in acting like everything's perfect and that fake book really exists and all of this nonsense, you know? So so, so I I feel like like we have honest conversations about everything. Everything, you know. Husbands, kids, you know, sex, stru- family, and whatever. The struggles like, when the everything. struggles are yeah, happening. Struggles, when good when times, you're most anything. Vulnerable. And um, I'd say Melissa also. And then, you know, I have other friends who are obviously uh, a lot of our friends from our separation class that we made that I maintain relationships with on a regular basis, even to the point where I was speaking to Jessica um, last week and she was like, I don't understand how you talk to everybody so much. Like, how do you maintain these relationships? I can barely talk to you mm-hmm. and like Marnie and whoever. And I'm like, I don't know. It's just like you're who I connect- am. You're the connector. I, just, I feel like I am. I just always want to be in touch with everybody. I think about everybody. What's going on with them? How's this person's mom doing? How's this one? Or oh, I remember this one said something. Like, I'm constantly texting. I'm constantly She's on my phone. She's a little bit of a yenta. I am a little but bit of a yenta. But in the best way possible because True. she she is the connector. She we, is. It It's... It, First of all, the personal gains of those connections are priceless. Yeah. Second, that you change the world by making it a more honest, Mm -hmm. real place on a daily basis, whether you are here, elementary school, or the grocery store. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That that is something that's critical Mm -hmm. that we all appreciate. Okay, so you get to say what your experience of their... So I'll do Rachel first. Um... I had the privilege with both of them, actually, of having them already have gone through this once. So I was really fortunate in that everyone in my class was already a mom. I was the only one in the entire class who had never had a baby before. So I really was able to use all their wisdom. A lot of the things I was like, I can't do that. But that's great that you can. But with Rachel, she had already gone through it. Um, I had talked to her. She wasn't living in the same state at the time when she had Ava when she was little. But, like, I was able to see what worked for her, what didn't, and kind of use that. And then I would always be able to bounce ideas off her. And she never judged me. There were people that were very judgy, and you kind of see that. Like, you start to become friends with them, and then you feel judged, and you feel like, I don't know that I want to share stuff with you if you're not going to. Let's take a moment Mm -hmm. and describe um, the kinds of judginess you felt um, and how you were were able to just contain it and isolate it and, and move forward without it. I think that... When you sort of confide in somebody and you share things about either how you parent or something that's going on with your child, if they're not reciprocating those feelings in a way that's like sensitive to how you're feeling or compassionate, empathetic, you can tell. You just feel like you're talking to the wall or you yeah, just Yeah, or like, like, well, that's not, so, I wouldn't do that. And why are you doing it that way? And, and it, it's hurtful, you know, when so you have that. Was it. Um, because I think that also part of celebrating your friendship, your connection, is also helping everybody out there know, you know what? When you feel that in your gut, run. Trust they're your not gut. your people. They're, they're not, not your, your people. people. They're somebody else's people. Yeah, but yeah. they're not your people. Yeah. Right. So it's and it, and it wasn't that they. I mean, they didn't come right out and judge you, did they? No, I mean, no, not, guys, not in, I don't think initially. These guys judge you in a t- in a trusting way. 
Right. But we judge her to her face. Right. And, yeah. you know, we're, we're like, this is what we think of right. what you're doing. We right. hear it's, you. It's the look across the room. It's right. the whisper. Right. It's the You have to exclusion. have that trust, that yeah. mutual it's trust. saying it to other people, you know. And the mutual respect. Right. You know, so I had that with Rachel. I bounced a lot of stuff off of her. She was very helpful when Danny was little. And, you know, I remember, we've had this conversation recently. I remember saying to her, I just went to the pediatrician, and he said, Danny's 12 months old. He's not a baby anymore. No more body bottle, no more pacifier. And I panicked. And she was like, first of all, you can still give him a bottle. But you know, I mean, I went through this with Ava. I'll give you some ideas. I would probably say don't use a pacifier anymore. And if she hadn't said that to me, I probably would have continued to do that. And it was like one of the most helpful things that she told me because I was like, well, she can do it. I can do it sort of thing. Yeah, but tell her what happens now. <laughs> well, Sienna always has it. I'm always like, take your passy out. Let me talk to you. We'll talk. I'm fine with pacifiers until two passy. and a half and then they go to the pacifier No, but tree. it's funny because she says to me, do you remember when I went to the pediatrician with Danny and he said no pacifier and you were like, just do yourself a favor. It's been a nightmare with Ava. Take them all away now and now That's be what on she the said phone. To me. Yeah. Because well, I was like, well, I'm I should, like, I'm I should keep away. some. Leave me alone. Yeah, right. she did. And like, why should keep yeah. some just in case of an emergency? And she goes, no, don't do that. Get rid of them. But well, that again, is but the clarity. first. That's the first time parent versus second time parent. Absolutely. I was very as a first time parent with Ava. I knew what a nightmare it was, and I was trying to save her from that. She was. Now I know that really at the end of the day, it didn't. I can live with the choice. Change anything, right. and so I'm okay with Sienna having right. the pacifier. She's not going to go to kindergarten with a pacifier. Right. It's fine. She's but not walk I down felt the, right. the way I explained to Marnie. In my heart, I felt like that with every fiber of my body. I wasn't trying to give her a hard time. That is how I felt at the moment. Right. You know? And it was great okay. advice. And so everybody, I, I mean, there's the other revelation of that you're not going to be the parent you were mm-hmm. because what, but but you were the truest, most honest parent in the moment. Correct. And so it's, yeah, it's, it, it, it's, it's that conviction that mm-hmm. right. that had to be true. And each person has to figure out for their own self yeah, but mm-hmm. I really, in every fiber of my being, can't do that. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, a lot of things that I would bounce off her, she would be like, no, you can't do that. And I trust her so much that I would listen to it. It came out of a place of love, and it was really helpful. Transitioning to Shirley, <laughs> um, Sydney is like a mini Shirley. She is. In every sense the of the word. So when Rachel said, like, the way that she is and the way she parents are the same, that's such a true statement. I'll piggyback off that because, you know, like when I have Sydney at my house, it's like having a conversation with Shirley. <laughs> she is like such an old soul. She's so dry and witty. She's so, like, everything is perfectly timed and sarcastic. And she is like a mini version of Shirley, but she's such a good girl. She's so kind. She's so well-behaved. So I think that, you know, like I remember with Danny, he had to have OT. And I remember they came in, no, speech and OT. And I was like, oh, my God. You know, imagine how I felt if after I'm describing the way that I was. He's my first baby, my only baby. He needs OT and speech. It was the end of the world. And I remember calling her, and I was so nervous to tell her. But I'm like, I should probably tell her. And I was like, Danny needs OT and speech. And she was like, okay, and? Yeah, so you were just feeling that I was, was a reflection fe- on you? Yeah, I definitely felt like it was a reflection on me. What did I do wrong? And, oh, God, this is really bad. And she had gone through that and then some with Jacob. Yeah. So she knew exactly what I was feeling, and she definitely, like, didn't, like, minimize it. She basically said, it's going to be fine, and you're going to handle it, and it's going to be great for him, and it's going to help him, and you're going to be fine. Whereas... You know, other people were like, oh, God, really? You need that? Oh, I don't know. You know, and you just so, know that you can talk to certain people and get the feedback you need and you want. Mm-hmm. And those are your people. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, what these scenarios bring to my mind, and I think the value of your friendship is that 
not you're all honest you're all real in the best ways but but the strength of these connections is that you will expose your vulnerability totally so what do you know about your vulnerability as parents with that hindsight the kind of vulnerability you were when you were new parents versus what i assume has to still be a vulnerability that still exists. I, yeah. Then and now, how would you compare that vulnerability? I think as a first-time parent, vulnerability is very stemmed in fear. It's very, you're only only vulnerable when you're nervous about something, scared about something, not sure you're doing something right. Whereas I think when you have more confidence as a mother, whether you go on to have a second or third or fourth or fifth or how many children you have, I then think vulnerability turns to something that makes you authentic. I think it's something that when you share your vulnerability with your mom friends, your you know your regular friends, whatever, what Marnie was saying before about you know opening up to Shirley about something that felt challenging to her, when you become vulnerable to someone and you trust them, and they give you what you need, which is that it's going to be okay, those are the people that you continue to be vulnerable with. If you're vulnerable with someone who does what Marnie's saying, where they're like, oh, all right, well, maybe you should get a second opinion, those are the people that make you question your decisions, question yourself as a mother, and those are the people you need to cut out of your life like a cancer because you can't be – it's negativity that you don't need. I think you're always vulnerable as a mother. I think the first time and the second time – and the multiple times after that, it's just rooted in something different. I love being vulnerable. I think I was always scared to be vulnerable when I was younger. But I now think, I have goosebumps, and now I want to cry. But I think <laughs> I think it's the vulnerability that makes you real, that makes you authentic, that allows you to attract the people who are meant to be in your life and give you what you need to be successful as a mother. And here comes your plug. So this is this is Rachel Sobel <laughs> from Wine and Cheez-Its. And, and the reason I need to say that now is because I think you commit your life um, and everything and your voice in the world to that to an expression of that vulnerability. And and just in what you just said, um, I don't I, I feel like I need to do I need like you to I want to say like write me ten articles, do ten <laughs> do ten more things on this because I feel like um, this is an onion I need to go deeper on. For sure. So, Marnie, what did vulnerability mean to you when you look back and when you experience it now? I was way too scared to be vulnerable with really anybody but Rachel at the beginning. I, I couldn't. I, I, didn't, I, I didn't know how to do that. I was so afraid of what the answers would be and how people were going to view me. And, and they were all so experienced. I, I felt like... I was, I was the rookie. Know. I really was. I was the virgin. I came into that situation, and they all had already done it before. And I really let myself be vulnerable. <laughs> I got ten more questions on that. <laughs> I mean, there, there, there's the wine podcast. Like, really? Was that scary? <laughs> I, Sorry. It's okay. No. Um, I let myself be vulnerable to an extent. But not, I really didn't open up until like, I think the first time, and I remember the conversation so vividly when I went to Shirley. And and Rachel might have even been the one to push me to do it. Because I was like, I don't want to tell anybody. Like, that was my first reaction. Like, I don't want anybody to know. Okay, so you called this podcast. Mm -hmm. How, how do you, how, how are you not vulnerable in the same way now? How has that vulnerability changed for you? I'm much more vulnerable now. I'm much more willing to be honest with people. See, this is, this is, I, and, I mean, my head is blown. And is, is say. Like, everything's just blowing out of my brain right now. Because for sure. Because what you're, what you're both saying is that 
looking back, looking forward, you are not less vulnerable in any way. It's not like you have more of anything. It's that you trust. It's a safe space. It's you a need space. a safe space. You and you're just more willing to share. Mm-hmm. That I you am. can go into the, because, and, and I think of Rabbi Steinhardt's podcast uh, or, or video that he did two weeks ago, and it's something we mentioned in a podcast about a scary world stuff, is that we can't make the unknown knowable. Mm-hmm. You can't know what's ahead for yourselves, your families, or each of your individual children. Mm-hmm. You can't know the unknowable. But what you know now that you didn't know then is that you can be vulnerable to exposing yourself to all of that. Absolutely. And I have a lot of um, younger friends from like work and, and such that have just had babies and they're first time moms and they come to me. And it's kind of funny because I'm like, I was there and I'm able to like explain to them, well, this is how I did it, but I would probably do it this way if I knew, you know, and I would say things like that to them. And they're so afraid of, well, should I, should I feed my baby this? Or do you think I should wait to do this? And I'm much more willing to say to them, you know what, try this, try that. Your baby's going to be okay. You know, it's going to be all right. Your experience, your children, all of those Mm -hmm. came together to create a safe space for you to continue on this parenting journey. Yes. And you can't control it. It's one of those things. You can't control it. It's not like you have more control. No, No, I don't. I have less control. Because the minute you think you know, they hit another stage. Yes, and it changes. And everything changes out from under you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I really sat down at this table believing you were going to tell me, I know this, I know this, I know this. And you guys flipped this on me in a way that I know is the ultimate truth. Yes. Anybody who says they know it, even after 10 children, I'm sorry, but motherhood is one of those living, breathing, dynamic things that once you get something figured out, it changes with every milestone, with every age. And so the people who, you know, are out there and they think they know it all, maybe they think they do, but that's like a very big... Um, that's dangerous because I feel like I'm learning constantly. I feel like I am 41 years old and there are still things that I have no idea what I'm doing. And I learned from Shirley and I learned from Marnie and I surround myself with people who make me feel like I've got it together and that I I can handle it. But nobody knows. You're handling uncertainty and unknownness. Shirley, Mm -hmm. how has your vulnerability, how would you describe your vulnerability then and now? I think um, it does have a lot to do with finding people that you trust that you can bounce stuff off of that are in the same situation as you. When I did um, baby classes with Jacob, I didn't really find my people. Mm -hmm. Jacob found two friends, and I befriended their mothers, and those are still Jacob's closest friends, and he met them nine years ago and has known them, you know, almost his entire life. But with, um, with Marnie and in that group of separation where we all met, you know, we all became friends and there's some of us obviously that have smaller circles within that circle but we're still all friends we still celebrate together when we have days off we still all go and do things and I think because I know everyone for a you know a good amount of time in there and we all have kids the same age and whatever I I literally would ask them anything where like in the Jacob years I think I would just maybe bounce stuff off my mom or off of Keith or whatever and I didn't uh I didn't really have that circle um to to bounce things off of and now like I mean, nothing is off the table. So mm-hmm. you are all more vulnerable. Are you less scared? Especially you have the you have the oldest of the, you have the oldest at the table. I mm-hmm. do. Um, my fears have um, morphed over the years. You know, you 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 first have fear. You know, 
when you're when you're pregnant, you're like, I need to get to 27 weeks. I need to get 32 weeks. I need to get to 36 weeks. Then your baby's born, and you're like, I hope they don't have SIDS. And then you're you're like, I hope they hit their milestone. I hope they get to 12 months. Oh my God, mm-hmm. what if they're not writing? What mm-hmm. if they're not this? So mm-hmm. it just it goes it, it 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 changes. It's not that it lessens. It just changes. And they say bigger kids, bigger problems. Um, and now, like you know, Jacob's in middle school now. So I just, you know, deal with a lot of the middle school stuff that I worry about, that kind of stuff. Like, now I'm worried about his academic future, where, like, when he was in elementary school, you know, six months ago, whatever it was, I never thought about his academic future. I mean, I thought about it, like, eventually he'll go to college, but now I actually think about it. I'm like, oh, my God, there's grades, you know. He needs to have confidence. He needs to be a good student. He needs to have good learning habits, you know. So it just changes the... You're you're a maniac in one way when you're when they're this age. You're a maniac in another way, and then you just become a whole different maniac. Mm-hmm. I love you guys. But we, <laughs> we have to love do the you. Wrap up. How have you got this for right here for right now? And 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 I'm I'm also sitting here thinking like how could I rename this podcast? But then I'm thinking no, why wise moms, wise <laughs> women really gets it. But how have you got this? I've got this by not beating myself up over the choices that I make. I'm going to have good days with my kids. I'm going to have bad days with my kids. And, you know, tomorrow's another day. I mean, we've had yelling where I'm like, I'm never going to yell like my mom when when I have kids. And then I find myself where, like, I've lost my voice because I've yelled so loud because I've asked 19 times for them to put on their shoes so we can get out the door. And, you know, then you're like, oh, my God, do they hate me? Now this is going to change our relationship, blah, 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 blah. I, I, I don't care anymore. I'm like, just like, you know, it happened. Tomorrow's going to be a different day. You know, no one's going to be mad at each other. We're just going to move on. Yeah. So I think that's and, and, where and I... And I, I want to say, I know you do care, yeah. but it's that forgiveness that makes that, that it, and then acceptance. More than, more than forgiveness, because it's just acceptance. It's right. just, you don't even have to get to that next step. No. Mm-hmm. And you have to forgive yourself, because mm-hmm. you are going to do things that are outside of your character, outside of human character, like <laughs> you're just going to be a lunatic sometimes mm-hmm. and you just have to forgive yourself and, you know, move on from it. You yeah. can't dwell on it. It's not going to be helpful for anybody. Mm-hmm. I love it. Marnie, how have you got this? I've got this because I have fully accepted who I am. I trust my judgment and I trust Danny's judgment. And I know that he's going to make the right decisions. And if he doesn't, we're going to figure it out from there and it's going to be okay. And you have a smart partner. I do. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I've got this because I think I stopped living in a place of the rigid, this is everything I have to do, and I've accepted and embraced my vulnerability, and that's why I think it's easy for me to do what I do sometimes. I, I just think that it's, I'm much more comfortable in my skin. I'm comfortable as a wife, as a friend, as a mother, after everything I've gone through in my life and where I am now, I just... It's okay to not know things. It's okay to lean on friends for support. And I think that that level of insight versus having to everything figured out is what makes the difference between you being like insane every day of the week versus insane a couple of days a week. I love you guys. And you have, I mean, by the way you live your lives and your honesty and your get realness, you have taken, um, you've, allowed, you've, you've taken that vulnerability like to, to such a, such, you've just exposed it in a way that's raw and beautiful. Vulnerability and, is sexy. Yeah. <laughs> and make a shirt. It, it, it then brings all of this together because mm-hmm. you take care of each other in yes. a way that you're not as lone. You're right. not alone in right. this crazy journey. You're not alone. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. How do you want to finish this out oh for God, us, Mom? We didn't think about we it. Didn't. We, we didn't. We didn't? We talked about it briefly. <laughs> we need a song about realness. Like, what are, what's about realness? J-Lo? I'm going to put it on pause for a sec. They remembered their ending. Here we go. <laughs> Cause I'm real, the way you walk, the way you talk, the way you 
I don't know. I don't know. I'm real. The way I can't go on without you. I'm real. The way you walk, the way you talk. Thank you, Mom. We didn't nail it. It's okay. We're real. So that's the mess for today. We appreciate you listening to See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. Seeing little people learn and grow. Listening to parents taking a crazy, uncertain journey. Loving the fun and loving the mistakes. You write the rules. You write your story. We just want to be part of the conversation. But in the end, we know you got this. We'll catch you next week. Take care. Wait, wait, wait. One more thing. If you liked our podcast, please tell a friend. Or even better, write us a review at iTunes. We'd also like to invite you to join us on Facebook. That's with me, Karen Deerwester. And check out the parenting resources at FamilyTimeInc.com. You'll also find us on Twitter at at FamilyTimeInc and Instagram at Karen underscore FamilyTime. Thanks for listening today. Thanks to everyone at B'nai Torah Congregation for this wonderful space. Thanks to Darren Littman for the great intro. And thanks to the front and the follow for the song Listen. We are listening. See you next week.